We're joined by Mike Prevet, CISO of Passport and founder of Return on Security, which distributes the newsletters Security Funded and Secure the Job. Mike has a lot of insight into the cybersecurity job market, so we're extremely happy to have him on the show. How are you this morning, Mike? Hey, Gene. Good. Thanks for having me on, and I'm excited to, for the talk. I had the pleasure of meeting Mike over the last year or so at multiple events, and uh He's been a huge fan of ThreadX and uh, he's doing a lot of cool things in cyber beyond just protecting passports. So <laughs> I know you're going to be a great guest. So thanks again. Happy to be here. Awesome. You told us that succeeding in cybersecurity is 5% technical skills, 95% communication skills. Why do you think that? Yeah, you know, and perhaps it's a little bit of play on words, but, uh, you know, so much about technology and security is no different is about communicating and about being able to articulate what you're trying to achieve, why you're trying to achieve it, what's the risk if you don't achieve it. And all of that requires communications. You know, I, I wish as an engineering background, I wish that I could just program that away. That'd be a lot more fun. But Those pesky um, people and communications, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you still have to talk to humans. You still have to convince humans to, you know, do things or spend money uh, on things that matter. And communications often where most of that stuff breaks down. And I found that's usually where people in tech in general kind of struggle a bit to be able to share what they're trying to communicate and what they're trying to deliver in a way that's digestible for multiple levels. So I think that's what makes it a key piece of, of the community. And also it's a it's a key thing for people to be able to accelerate in their careers, those who can translate versus those who can't. Yeah. And I think that that's not to scare uh, introverts that are thinking about getting into cybersecurity because there are plenty of jobs where you're going to be kind of left alone to do your work, but there's still a a communication aspect of the job. You've got to be able to communicate with your coworkers so that you can protect the organization. You've got to be able to communicate with non-technical people so they understand it. Because again, uh, our pesky users, <laughs> they click on things and they, they don't have unintended consequences. So being able to communicate, I think, is a key part of, uh, of any role in any organization, whether cyber or you're going to go into accounting, right? You got to be able to translate what those things mean to the rest of the business. So yeah, I think that's great advice. Absolutely. So for those looking to get into this industry, what can they do like today to start making it happen? Yeah, you know, I think the field has changed a lot over the past several years. Back when I started, you know, back in the Stone Age, it's, it was a lot easier to get started because no one really knew what it was, uh, cybersecurity was. It was not well-defined. It did not have multiple broad disciplines that go extremely deep the way it does today. So most people ended up there by accident or by, you know, last person standing. And mm. so like, hey, surprise, it's you. Um, and so today, I think there's a lot more competition. It requires a different set of skills than it used to require 15 or 20 years ago. Communication, I think, has been consistent throughout. But you have to find a way to stand out because what we have on one end of the spectrum is more jobs than we can fill. And then on the other end, we have more people looking for those jobs than can accept them. Right. And so there is a, a level of like rigor and a level of professionalism that you almost have to display before you even get in the job, mm -hmm. which is not easy, uh, especially for entry level jobs or even uh, early level jobs. And so I think a couple of things that people could do early on is one, uh, your network will always be one of your strongest assets. It's I always say your network over your resume any day. 
I didn't even mean for that to rhyme, but it did. <laughs> but so you, your network goes a long way and that's your in-person networks, the people you actually know and who have worked for or worked with. And then your social media network, just you can't overlook that. Mm-hmm. And the people who are able to not just be good at LinkedIn posts or Twitter posts, but who, who have the ability to share something that they're interested in, right. doesn't really matter the level of complexity. It can be the most benign topic or it can be extremely low level you know, debugging. But if you have the ability to go share that information and show people that you're interested in it, it shows kind of an, a level of focus and a level of professionalism to yourself. And so I think write that blog post, do a deep dive on something you saw uh, you know, do a podcast, even if it's just you. Just go talk yeah. about something you liked, something you read. Share it with people you know. And you know, the the number one way to be interested is to be interesting. So, like, mm-hmm. focus on that. Yeah, and I think I think that'll go a long way to to get people started. Yeah, I think well said, Mike. And I totally agree with you. Right, the latest stats just came out. So there's 3.4 million open positions so that that as a good thing right there, there mm-hmm. weren't it were 2.6 to 3.4 million positions but it is still hard to get into the industry because we as practitioners have upped our game of our expectations and mm-hmm. we've talked with lots of uh, CISOs and I know you'd agree like we've got to we've got to readjust what we're looking for sometimes because we call it entry level and then we ask for you know purple square <laughs> squirrel types of <laughs> expectations so we've got to do yep. a better job but still onus is on and the person looking for the job and there have never been more facets, right? You know, you and I are available on LinkedIn, right? And if you know, you, I'm sure as a CISO, you get bombarded with stuff. But if you can think about a creative way to grab your attention, you know, on Twitter, on whatever social media, like that's an opportunity. And and part of it can be is like, hey, you know, can you just give me, you know, 15 minutes of your time? I'm just looking for some guidance. Or hey, here's some cool GitHub code that I created and. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, spam you with anything or get you to download any malware, but I think I've created some like those types of things that you've never had more opportunities. So it's not just sending your resume blindly to thousands of companies and being surprised when you don't hear back. Like step out, be different, you know, find out all the people on your team. And if you can't get a hold of you, Mike, reach out to so that goes for any organization. Like we can mm-hmm. we can map out and really reach out. So I think that you know, there is a great opportunity to do that. Uh, but you really got to kind of talk about it. So just you kind of extend this a little bit more. You talked about the job market shifting over the past two years. And maybe you talk about what do you think the implications are for those starting out and what's happened over the last two years? Yeah, so the last few years, uh, the job market has seen kind of this interesting wave and then a subsequent kind of crash with uh, with COVID. Obviously, that changed the entire concept of work. And that put a lot of onus on people to basically have a lot more freedom and choice of where they wanted to work in general. And that uh, was a great time for humanity, I I think, in terms of like job and work-life balance outside of the, obviously, the pandemic piece. But it created some, I would say, unintended side effects in terms of like, you know, salaries and job expectations like ballooned, which is not a bad thing per se. I'm all for people getting paid what they're worth. Yeah. But it also calls companies to overhire. It calls a lot more funding to be uh, driven into companies. Right. You know, stocks only went up and to the right. And so things were good. <laughs> Interest rates were low. So money was free. Hiring was uh, easy because people had lots of money and time. And uh, people were were generally, uh, these, um, you know, uh, high-tech workers were more happy with that. So I think that created a good environment that 
was bound to end at some point. And now with the return to work initiatives and mass layoffs in tech, we've seen already this year, I think at last count, there was about 60,000 tech layoffs this right. year, just in 2023. Yeah, It's created an interesting scenario where people have super high salary expectations mm-hmm. and then companies can't pay that. And right. so we, we have this like knowledge worker gap, this delta that that can't be solved. And so now jobs are are getting more competitive again. Pay is getting a, a bit more in line, not at the heights of the pandemic. And that's hard you know, pill to swallow for a lot of people. So I think, you know, th- what's going to happen in that is that people are, are going to go back to like people who can do more than maybe what the job description might say. Like yeah. I think people who are generalists and who ha- who can do lots of things, I think will be a lot more sought after. I think they've always been sought after, but I think, you know, if, if you can do some development, if you can do the cloud and you can do, you know, threat intelligence or incident response and you don't mind engineering and you, you're just looking for that kind of skill or looking for that kind of challenge, I think you'll be a lot more in demand than others will. And I think, you know, for those who are who have that aspects about them, they're going to get bombarded with LinkedIn uh, inbound messages for recruiters and for jobs trying to pull them away to the next best thing as opposed to having to run to like something that's good enough. Right. No, no, I, I think it it has changed uh, and quickly, right? And uh, we'll be the older gentlemen to talk to people about this. Like it's a natural part of the economy for those that maybe are a couple years in your career and you're, you're like, oh my God, the world feels like it's going to end. It won't. <laughs> Right. Uh, it just feels that way. And uh, having been through, you know, 99 to 2000, 2007, 2008, pandemic had its own wobble, you know, weirdness and then and then uh, accelerated. And now we've got what we're going, what we have going on here. It's like there's a natural ebb and flow and employees are still critical to any business. And mm-hmm. you should seek, you know, high salary expectations and what you get paid what you deserve. You know, just like you know, people always say when an athlete gets some crazy contract. Now, do they deserve that? Well, they deserve it because somebody's willing to pay it. So keep your expectations high, but equally, you got to adjust with the market. There's one person for a job. Now there's 30 people. Then you understand supply and demand have simply changed. Mm -hmm. And especially for those seeking to get in the door, like, you know, maybe taking a step back and lowering those salary expectations will increase your probability of getting that initial job and accelerating from there. You know, things will return to acceleration and there'll be lots of money to be made over, over the course of the year. And I think the other thing that I think about is, you know, with cybersecurity, there's so many ways to to think about looking for a job. There's going to work for a great company like Passport. You know, there's also the whole angle of there's 6,000 cybersecurity vendors, right? We need cybersecurity expertise, uh, whether entry level to expert. You know, you've got the whole VAR community. So people that are reselling from these 6,000 products and and working with companies like Passport to sell. So there's lots of different ways to, to think about how you get into this industry. And it, but it has changed, but it'll change back, right? So don't think it's dire, don't get frustrated. You know, in, in the best times, the worst times, your first job in cybersecurity can still be your hardest job. Mm-hmm. And it's still possible. You know, we're, we're, we've all slowed down our hiring, but we're still hiring great people. So just, you know, keep being, being on the lookout. So uh, last question, can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the Secure the Job newsletter, um, how it can help them and and equally how they can sign up for it? Yeah, so Secure the Job newsletter is a uh, recent newsletter venture I'm taking on. Uh, I'm only about four weeks in right now, but this was all based on the premise of, well, there's so many people looking for jobs. There's so many jobs available and there's predominantly the people are blasting them on Twitter, blasting them on LinkedIn, 
blasting them on random job boards. And it's all very much, I would say, passive, meaning you have to know somebody who's in your network, who's posted it. You have to, somebody has to tell you about the job. You have to have some sort of insight into seeing a job, but you know, as soon as you know that job's been posted, depending on the level, it's probably slim chance to none that you'll get an interview or a callback or anything. So I decided to see if I could flip that paradigm on its head as a kind of a fun experiment. So instead of making it a passive exercise where you have to go look for it on LinkedIn, I just collect a couple jobs, like 10 to 15 jobs every week. And then I send them to people who sign up in the newsletter. So it's like ranked by the skill level in terms of like how many years of experience. Uh, And it covers the gamut of what you just said. Like it's salespeople, it's VARs, it's security practitioners, it's security marketers. So it's anybody in and around the cybersecurity industry who may be able to find a way to uh, be involved in that space. And I've been partnering with a couple uh, research firms as well who maybe have, they're on the forefront of the companies who are still hiring the the brightest and the best. And so they know who's spending money. They know who, they know what industry segments are doing better. And so I'm partnering with them to kind of show. So it's, you know, it's one way you can just get some insight into, you know, what are some maybe more curated jobs that might be interesting to a broader subsect of people. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun to experiment with and see how people like it. Well, that's awesome. I, I, I really encourage our our listeners to go uh, follow Mike Prevett on uh, LinkedIn, on Twitter as well, and uh, sign up for his newsletter. He's you know not only an awesome CISO, he's like me, giving a lot back to the industry. He's got a real passion for it. So please, to our listeners, uh, please you know this is a great opportunity to get some you know finely curated opportunities into the flow. So uh, please go and sign up for the Secure the Job newsletter as soon as you can. So awesome, Mike. Well, I knew this was going to be a great interview and it definitely was. Your insights into what's going on from an economic perspective and how things have changed, what our listeners need to do to find their first job. I think you have some great practical advice. So so thank you very much for sharing today. Yeah, Gene, thanks for having me. It was great. Awesome. As a reminder to our listeners that are looking to up their cybersecurity skills, you can get one year free of our content on ThreatX Academy, which is 140 hours of the latest, greatest cybersecurity training on all things cyber. You can access that by going to uh, academy.threatx.com and using the promo code podcast. Thanks again, Mike. We really appreciate your time and everything you're doing for our industry. You're making it better. Thanks, Gene. Happy to be here. 